Welcome to the Deep Blue Glow, the winter it gets. I'm your host, Garrett Rennan. So as I sit here and record this episode, it's Sunday, March 29th, 2020. And as everybody listening is, is well aware, we are essentially under attack from the coronavirus. At this time, everything is closed. Schools, gyms, malls, sporting events, concerts... And we are all essentially under a stay-at-home order. So it's it's safe to say that this is a very strange time. I've never experienced anything, and most people have never experienced anything like this in, in their entire lifetime. I do believe we will get through this, but I do think that life will be different from here on out. Much like... 9-11, there will be a time before the coronavirus, and there will be a time after. Um, so I don't know how different it's going to be. I just know it's going to be different. And I'm not going to talk too much about this because I know we're all, we've all been bombarded with, with information. Uh, the one thing I want to say that in addition to doing social distancing and washing your hands, uh, make sure you're doing everything you can to keep yourself as healthy as possible, right? I think this is one of the most important things we can do. So as a reminder, make sure you're eating right. Make sure you're working out. Get some sunshine. Try to try to keep your stress low. I know it's a stressful time, especially if you've lost your job, but stress, stress is a killer and stress will lower your immune system. So try to meditate, try to keep your thoughts as positive as possible. Try to find the bright side in all of this. And most importantly, get some sleep. Sleep is so critical for our our immune system. So use this time to catch up on on sleep. All right. So that's, that's all I'm going to say about that. Uh, so let's get into the episode. So I just finished reading the teachings of Don Juan, a Yaquay way of knowledge by Carlos Castaneda. This book is an account of Carlos Castaneda's apprenticeship with a Yaquay Indian sorcerer named Don Juan Matus. The book is divided into two sections, part one being a first person account of Carlos's training with Don Juan, and the second part is an in-depth analysis of the lessons learned during his apprenticeship. Overall, I really enjoyed the book, especially the first part. The detailed accounts of the psychedelic plant journeys made me feel like I was right there in the experience. I'm not going to go too much into detail of the book. However, the one thing I wanted to point out was the relationship between Don Juan and Carlos. Overall, I would say that they had a good teacher-student dynamic, However, at times I felt that the teaching style of Don Juan was somewhat frustrating. At times, his lessons were vague, and his answers to many of the questions asked by Carlos were obscure and cryptic. Don't get me wrong, Don Juan was teaching Carlos about the spirit world, which is definitely vague, weird, obscure, cryptic, scary, beautiful, and overwhelming all at the same time. In addition, the spirit world can also be very personal, meaning my experience will most likely be much different than yours. So I get it. The answers and lessons are not exactly straightforward. However, 
I still feel like we have this romantic idea that teachers and mentors need to be vague and obscure with their students, which makes me think of one of the most famous teachers of all time, Mr. Miyagi. (laughs) That's right. Mr. Miyagi, he trains Daniel LaRusso, the karate kid, to defeat the Cobra Kai and win the 1984 All-Valley Tournament. It's a classic story. We all love Mr. Miyagi, but was he really that great of a teacher? If you've seen the movie, then you know one of the most famous scenes is the wax on, wax off scene. And if you haven't seen the movie, how dare you? (laughs) Anyway, Daniel wants to learn karate. So he finds Mr. Miyagi and asks him to be his teacher. Once Miyagi agrees, he begins Daniel's training by having him do chores. Mr. Miyagi's got him waxing his cars, sanding floors, staining his fence, and even painting his house. So after weeks of doing nothing but chores, Daniel obviously becomes annoyed and frustrated and confronts Mr. Miyagi, basically saying, I came to you to learn karate, not paint your house and wax your car. Mr. Miyagi then reveals to Daniel that the same motion used to do those chores actually mimicked karate moves. Thus, Daniel had actually been learning the whole time. So, yes, but no. (laughs) See, when I was a kid, this made so much sense. I thought Mr. Miyagi was brilliant. He not only taught Daniel how to do household chores, but he was also secretly teaching him karate moves. But now looking back at it, I wonder if this was the best way to teach. I understand that specific lessons can have deeper meanings and that doing chores also taught Daniel patience, persistence, and the value of hard work. And those are valuable lessons and definitely necessary necessary in order to master any skill. But again, what is the best way to teach? What is the best way to learn? I wonder, would Daniel have been much better at karate If instead of spending an entire summer doing nothing but chores, he actually spent that time studying and practicing karate, right? It's an interesting concept. See, I've been fascinated by both the art of learning and teaching. In fact, I've read several books on the subject, such as The Art of Learning, Talent Code, Outliers, Peak Performance, and Mastery. All those books were amazing, and each one of them each one of them had lots of great advice and strategies on how to master subjects. While there are many similarities between these books, two key takeaways definitely stand out. Takeaway one, the only way to get good at something is to do that thing as much as possible. Sure, other activities can complement each other, but there is no substitute to doing the specific thing. For example, going back to the Karate Kid, Sure, there was some value in doing chores, but I can all but guarantee that Daniel's time would have been much better spent doing karate. And then takeaway two, not all teaching methods are created equal, and better methods produce better students. The flip side to this takeaway is that there are better ways to learn, and not all learning methods are created equal. And it's that idea that keeps me up at night. Maybe it's because I'm creeping up towards my 40s, but I definitely feel the clock ticking and I don't want to spend my time doing subpar methods, especially when better methods exist. So whether it's learning a new language, learning to play the guitar, learning a martial art, or learning about the spirit world, there exists a spectrum of possible learning styles ranging from the not so great 
to mediocre, to good, to excellent, and everything in between. So to kind of drive this point home, I I want you to imagine that you wake up one morning to find yourself living in a world very similar to the world seen in the movie The Hunger Games. (laughs) And actually, the way things are going, this scenario might happen. Who knows? So anyway, you, you hear a knock on the door. Suddenly, you find yourself being taken by armed guards into the town square for the annual reaping event. Surrounded by thousands of other people, you watch as the district escort reaches her hand into the glass bowl filled with thousands of pieces of paper. And as the escort reads the name on the small piece of paper, you are horrified to realize that your name has just been called. You have just been chosen to represent your district, but instead of competing in the Hunger Games... You have just been chosen to get into the octagon. Yes, you've been picked to get into a cage and fight in your underwear against a person from another district in front of all your friends, family, and the millions watching on pay-per-view. If that's not scary enough, you have now just realized that this is an extremely dangerous endeavor. You might break your arm, or jaw, or leg, or eye socket, or you might lose a few teeth, or worse, you might receive irreversible brain damage. Hell, there's even a possibility you might die. And for argument's sake, let's say that you have very little experience fighting other than the one small shoving match you had in middle school. In other words, you've just been chosen to do the impossible. However, there is one small glimmer of hope. You have one year to train. Okay, so let's review. You have zero fight experience, and in 365 days, you'll be locked in a cage with another person looking to inflict on you a massive amount of pain. What are you going to do? Well, you've really only got three options. You can do it yourself. You can hang a heavy bag in your garage, watch a bunch of YouTube videos, and get together with your buddies and teach yourself how to fight. You can go to a mediocre martial arts school or... You can join a top-notch fight gym that has years of experience taking inexperienced people and turning them into world champions. So which option would you pick? Well, given this scenario, it's a no-brainer, right? You choose option one. You do it yourself. (laughs) Just kidding. Option three is the only logical choice. If if, If you found yourself in this predicament, You would obviously want to put yourself in the best possible environment to learn. Anything less would be setting yourself up for failure. Just like in the Hunger Games scenario, we have a finite amount of time. In fact, time is our most valuable resource. As Bruce Lee said, we all have time to spend or waste, and it's our decision what to do with it. But once it's passed, it's gone forever. So with a limited amount of time on our hands... It is in our best interest to find the teachers, methods, and environments that allow us to thrive. Anything less holds us back from reaching our highest potential. So, you know, lastly and probably most importantly, don't worry all that much about finding the absolute best teachers and methods. More often than not, good is good enough. And that's great news because there are a lot of good teachers and methods out there. The most critical aspect is to just stay away from the mediocre environments whenever possible. At the end of the day, the definition of a good teacher is subjective. However, 
at a minimum, a good teacher should push you to should push you just slightly beyond your limits. Instead of being vague and obscure, a good teacher should strive to make their lessons as clear as possible. They should base their success on your success, and they should hold nothing back. So when learning a new skill, do some research. Try to find a few different methods, and then once you find something that meets your criteria, get busy, because the clock is ticking. See you on the other side.